0: It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation, sound off like you got a pair
1: jt the brick
0: i'm talking about the notorious ones the out of control fans the passionate fans all of you fans are invited to be a part of the show i'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose and that's it use the phone like a weapon enjoy everything we do and please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show fair enough and now here's jt the brick out of the gate jt with you on a sad day in the writer nation As the Raiders' family mourns the passing of Ray Guy, one of the greatest Raiders of all time, the greatest punter of all time, the Hall of Famer, pro football and college football, today is a Ray Guy morning show here. It's a tribute show to the life and times of Ray Guy. Welcome in, everybody. JT with you. I was over at the Raiders really, really early this morning, did the interview with the coach. He was back in Florida. I was here I was in the building around 6.30 this morning. and I was done with the coach, I found out the news. We were waiting for the Raiders to announce it. TMZ put it out there. The Hall of Fame put it out. The NFL put it out. And it's a sad day for the Raiders as the great Ray Guy has passed away. And we're all going to miss him. Uh, I met him a few times. Had a great night with him once at SNES. When he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, his teammates loved him. He's so important to Mark Davis, Mrs. Davis, the late, great Al Davis, and uh, everyone in the Raider Nation has a heavy heart today. So, this is what we do. I don't walk away from death, I walk towards it and talk about it. Some people don't want to deal with it, they'd rather get to the World Series. Not today. This is the flagship of the Raiders. So we have a couple of guests that we've already planned. That's how we booked the show. Uh, Bill Williamson will join us here in a bit. The Raider Insider, who's covered the the Raiders as long as anybody I know. We'll talk about Ray Guy. We have Lee Sterling. He's going to pick a couple of games. He's always scheduled today. And then we left it open. I reached out to a couple of Raider alumni, some other individuals if they want to call in. But when someone passes away... In radio, we have to talk about it immediately. A lot of people don't want to talk about it immediately, especially a lot of former teammates. I talked to Fred Balitnikov today, been texting with Phil Villapiano and others here. And a lot of times, these guys were best friends. You know, they're best friends. So it's not important for me to get them on the radio today. It's important that we all pay respects to the guy family. So I think you could do that, and you can help me out for the next two hours here. You never want to, you never prepare for a show like this. But I think I know enough about Ray Guy and the impact that he had on the NFL and especially the Raiders that we can pull out a really good tribute show for him. We have some sound bites. We can look back on his career. But what will drive the show today is the passion of the Raider Nation and the fans who got a chance to see him play, got a chance to meet Ray and know about the impact that he's had. On life and football. So just come in whenever you want. No rush. Take your time. Put your phone call together on the impact that Ray Guy had on you. 702-365-9200. You know our number. 702-365-9200. I think it's an important way to tie him in. Uh, Not only tie him into the show today, but maybe tie him into the game coming up in Jacksonville. And what it means from that region of the country, which he's familiar with And hopefully share some stories. That's what we do on sports radio. We share stories. And some stories are better than others. This guy had a hell of a career. So here's the statement from the Raiders that just came out moments ago. The Raider family is mourning the passing of Ray Guy, a legendary punter who revolutionized special teams during his 14 seasons with the Silver and Black. In a career of first, Guy was the first punter ever chosen in the first round of the NFL draft when the Raiders selected him out of Southern Mississippi in 1973. Guy's high, booming punts often pinned opponents deep within their own territory, helping introduce the term hang time into football lexicon. He spent the entirety of his pro career with the Raiders, playing in 207 consecutive games and featuring himself on three Super Bowl championship teams. Guy earned seven Pro Bowl selections, eight All-Pro honors, and was named to the NFL 1970s All-Decade team, the NFL's 75th anniversary team, and the NFL's 100th anniversary team. In 2014, he became the first pure punter inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The prayers of the entire Raider Nation are with the Guy family at this time. So that's what just came out from the Raiders as the Raiders released that. Yeah, you know, I talked to a gentleman today who said, "Longtime fan, friend." He said, "You can argue every position in the NFL. You can argue who's the greatest running back, who's the greatest linebacker, who's the greatest corner. You can never argue, ever, ever argue who's the greatest punter. It's Ray Guy. He has it locked down. Kicker. Now you have Justin Tucker, right? You have Adam Vinatieri. You can look back at great kickers and wonder, playoffs or regular season. Ray Guy's three Super Bowls. The coffin corner." hang time, everything that he was able to do revolutionized the position. And the Raiders got a really good punter now in A.J. Cole, and they have one of the all-time greats in Shane Leckler, who I texted to earlier today. So this is a big deal. And the impact that he had being one of the only six to have three Super Bowl rings for the silver and black. And the way he changed the game. I grew up a Stabler fan. I didn't grow up a Raider fan, but I loved Ken Stabler. I had his jersey. And I remember at a very young age, living back east, watching the late game on television when the Raiders would come on in Oakland and the sun-drenched fields in San Diego, wherever they were playing in the late game, and everybody knew who Ray Guy was because of the high kick and the kick that went over his helmet and the fact that he could throw it, he could run it, he could do it all, and the impact that he had on an organization that needed him because they were playing against so many great teams. You know, in the 70s, when you say which is the best decade team to play with, I always say the 70s. And growing up as a kid and to see a little bit of the 70s as a young boy, you remember Snake. You remember Ray Guy. You remember the legends who played, Balitnikov, who I talked to today. You know these guys because they're on television so much and they were winning. And Ray Guy was really special. And think about how important that weapon is. Because as we often talk today, they're taking the foot out of football, they have taken the punting position away. The position that Ray Guy made famous is the greatest of all time. They've taken it away. They don't want any tackling off of a punt or a kickoff. So they move the kickoff up, and they basically have the kickoff easily going into the end zone. You don't see a lot of guys taking it out of the end zone. And when it comes to the punt and the fair catch, which is commonplace now, there are even punters today who don't even try to kick to the corner. Imagine that. A guy kicks a punt today, and it's a nice punt. And someone fair catches it at the 11-yard line, and you're like, okay, that was a good punt, I guess. You know, he kicked from his own 30, and he kicked it to the 11, and it was had hang time, and there's no return. No, not with Ray Guy. He wanted to put it inside the five. He wanted to put it out of bounds inside the five. Remember the referee having to walk to see where it went out of bounds? That's all Ray Guy. So Ray Guy was so unique that he revolutionized the position in the greatest sport in the history of this country. Wow. Where does he go in the Pantheon of football players? He's near the top of the list. You know, when they talk, and John Madden said, when they closed the lights in Canton in the room with all the busts, the bust start talking. Well, if you want to talk punting, you're just talking to Ray Guy. There's a whole bunch of quarterbacks, a whole bunch of running backs there, but Ray Guy, the leader when it comes to that position there. Uh, nice to have known him. Not a lot of people knew him well in media. You know, a few people interviewed him. He didn't come back all the time, but when he came back and walked into a room, there was greatness walking into that room. And to see him with the gold jacket on, just fantastic. So when we talk about Ray, the Ray guy, we talk about a legend. And uh, that's it. He passed away, and I don't have all the details on it. We'll keep that private. And the Raider family, the Raiders are superb at this. They are superb at this. You talk about the great things that the Raiders have done from Al Davis, Mrs. Davis to Mark. When a member of a family uh, dies, they take care of the family. They, They mourn the family and they give the family privacy. And then they give us the opportunity to talk about the player. And get into it here. So the show's not going to work if we don't hear from you today, everybody. So wake up. Let's get going. We're in the middle of the season here, and we want to hear from you on what Ray Guy's impact was on your life. 702-365-9200. As always, Chris in West Oakland, always ready to go. How are you, Chris?
2: Good, JT. Hey, I appreciate you getting me up so quick today. And, you know, we just seem to be doing this way too often anymore with our Raider legends. But I guess as we get older... That's what happens. And, you know, I, I told you you know, many times, my dad started taking me to games um, the, the week before the Immaculate Reception in 72 was my first game when I was five years old. So the next year, my entire life going to Raider games spanned Ray Guy's entire career in Oakland and then in Los Angeles. And to put it in perspective, John Madden once said, and ask Phil Villapiano, I've heard him say this in interviews, next time you interview him, not only was Ray Guy a punter, Ray Guy was a football player. He was an All-American safety or an All-Conference safety in college. He was such a good punter, John Madden wouldn't let him play safety because he wanted to play that when he first came to the Raiders. Ray Guy was so good, and the gold standard, the punters are still measured of today. People used to go into games early, like a a power hitter in batting practice. I used, you know, the Mark McGuire's of the world, the Barry Bondsons. People used to go watch Ray Guy punt in warm-ups. You'd go into a Raider game, and the place would be three-quarters full when the Raiders came out with three-game warm-ups, and 90% of the people were in there to watch Ray Guy punt the football. Ray Guy made tackle. Two of the greatest plays he ever made was the block punt in the Super Bowl against the Vikings. He didn't give up like most kickers would. He hustled his ass off, got the ball on the one-yard line to which the the, the, the Vikings fumbled on the next play and never got a touchdown. And we've all seen the iconic picture – Him five feet in the air with one hand on the high snap against the Redskins Super Bowl where he looked like a power forward snatching a rebound out of the air. The guy wasn't just a punter. He was a phenomenal athlete. But more important than that... He was a very nice man. I was fortunate enough to meet him a few times. I told you before, I belong to the Colombo Club, the Italian men's club in Oakland. They used to have Raiders night every year when I was a kid, and you'd have ex-Raiders. Somewhere around here, JT, I got a picture where I'm on Ray Guy's shoulders. He carried me around for half a night, and I ate a plate of spaghetti right across from him. Back in the late 90s, I ran into him in the West Side Club. He was actually at an A's game. He was in town for some kind of function. We said hello, talked for a couple of minutes, and I brought that up, and he remembered it with a big smile. He talked about how much he he misses the days when the players would do things like Raiders night at the Colombo Club. He missed the personal touch of the fans with the players. We had about a five-minute conversation. Guy couldn't have been nicer. Never would have known. If you didn't know who he was, you would have never known he was the greatest punter that ever lived. Once again, I'm going to call the Hall of Fame out. Thank God they got it right and put the man in before he died. But he still probably went in 30 years later than he should. So, again, this is a sad day for the Raider Nation. It's a sad day for football because we didn't just lose a Raider great today. We lost one of the all-time greats. The all-time great punter, and it's just like I said. It's a sad day. I'll I'll do a toast for him tonight, like I always do. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace, Ray Guy. You were a pleasure to watch, and the handful of times I got to meet you, you were an even nicer man than you were a better punter. Thanks for letting me get on here, my friend. It's a sad day because again. I'm losing my roots in my childhood every one of the times these guys pass. That's what I miss so much about the Raiders being in Oakland. I had that little kid in me where I I go back to being a little kid. And every time a guy like Ray Guy passes on, I feel like I lose a little bit more of that. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you later. Yeah,
0: nice phone call, Chris. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, the impact that he had on football and college. You know, Ray Guy hit a 61-yard field goal in college. Let me repeat that. 61-yard field goal in college, which at the time set a new record. He was also the Raiders' emergency quarterback at times. I mean, he did it all. He was drafted four different times by Major League Baseball teams. Great baseball player. Legendary baseball player in his hometown. And he played from 73 to 86 and the entire career was with the Raiders. That's what's so great about that, too. To, to play, I'm sure this is a guy who could have caught on for another year ago. You are, too, with another team. But he plays his entire career with the Silver and Black. He's one of the most important Raiders of all time. It's our job in a new market in Vegas to explain to everybody the impact that old Raiders had and legends had on this new community. So if you're in Vegas and you knew about Ray Guy, and if you didn't know much about him, go to YouTube, go check out the videos and see everything that the Raiders are doing at Raiders.com and what they'll be doing here. And I'm assuming coming up for a home game and how they're going to pay tribute to Ray Guy. 702-365-9200. Antonio's in Modesto. It's our Ray Guy tribute show. Hello. Hey,
3: JT. Um, you know, so I got a chance to meet Ray Guy um, uh, John Madden's wife owned that, rest, that bar in Dublin. So I, I we got to Dublin in the late 70s, left Oakland. So I got to meet him like twice, and he was always super cool. And, you know, it just you know, I think about my childhood like the previous car who always nails it. He's always on on point. You know, Guy, Shell, Upshaw, Stabler, Casper, Branch, all those Hall of Famers. And it was, you know, that's why I'm a Raider fan today. Um, I, I want the fans in Vegas. You really got to look at something. But, the play that he points out the most is the obvious one that in the 83 Super Bowl. But the one I want you guys to check out, I believe, was either in the Astrodome or the mm. um, Superdome. He hit the, he, he hit the top of the, the scoreboard. Yeah, that was the at roof. the Superdome. So, yeah. Yeah. But tribute to Ray Guy, a lifelong Raider fan. And just, you know, it's, there's just something I can't explain that it's, it hits right in the core of your heart <clears throat> when you're a longtime Raider fan. So, you know, be this family. Because, you know, my dad, watched against my dad and everything, but... Um, It's it's a sad day, but thanks,
0: JT. Yeah, there's a lot of great memories. I can tell you're getting emotional with the phone call. And that's what we're looking to hear today. We're looking to hear from some fans who are pretty emotional on the passing of Ray Guy because he was so important to the Raiders' championship years and how great the Raiders were. This was just not a guy on the team. This was a guy who flipped the field who changed field position, who gave the Raiders that when the Raiders got the football back, the Raiders had so many Hall of Famers they could score, so many Hall of Famers on defense. But to have arguably the greatest player on the field in many of those games was the punter. Right? He's the most dominant punter of all time. There were games where the Raiders couldn't run it well. They couldn't throw it well. Weather. Let's just talk about the weather issues playing football in the 70s. And not having the domes and Ray Guy having to play in cold weather. Look at what the punters deal with today going from dome to dome to dome. Climate control and what Ray Guy had to deal with. And very athletic and very important, as Chris said, on that block. And the way that he was able to track that play down. And then what happened at the goal line, Piano, The ball comes out and the Raiders put the Vikings away after that. Man, you know, you think of Ray Guy to play on all three of those teams. So he plays with the older guys then he plays with the young young guys when they win Super Bowl 18 from Super Bowl 11, 15 and 18 and he's a star on all those teams a pro bowler all pro just a great player just a tremendous player as we open up the show 702-365-9200 and you know a couple of people said to me you know hopefully this will inspire the team inspire the team to play better I would hope that the team's always inspired. I talked to the coach today. We'll play it tomorrow. They seem like they're really pissed off and really focused. I couldn't tell that looking into the coach's eye. We did a satellite interview. But he was uh, pretty stern about what they're trying to do here and what they need to do against Jacksonville. So today was going to be our install day, talking about the Jaguars. It's not. We're going to move that to tomorrow. We're going to talk about Ray Guy today. So the impact that Ray Guy had, and when you think of him, what what comes to your mind when you think of Ray Guy? Is it the height of the punt? Is it where the punt went, the coffin corner? What was it? Was it the Super Bowls? Was it the playoff games? I mean, you win three Super Bowls, you win all those championship games, you lose all those championship games, and Ray Guy is a constant and the impact that he had for Mr. Al Davis and Mark Davis, Mrs. Davis, and all of that. And, Bobby, I know you wanted to jump in. You grew up back east, and you remember Ray Guy. You told me that as I was coming in today. I watched Raider games at 4 o'clock in the East Coast because that was the team in the 70s that was on yeah. all, the, all time. the time. And the one
4: thing I'll remember about him is the Coffin Corner. Yeah, That guy could nail that thing within the within the five yards. What? How many times? I don't know how hundreds many. It, and it, yeah. Hundreds yeah. and hundreds. Any time they had a... a Anytime they got the ball, they were trying to punt it away. He would nail it every time. He did. It was amazing. This guy, no, no kicking to the thirty, no kicking to the twenty. Yeah, he would put it right in that freaking corner every time. It was amazing how he could do that.
0: Yeah, it's just incredible that more and more uh, punters don't do that. I know the kickers are getting better, right? The kickers are getting better. Raiders got a really good punter, a Pro Bowler, and a great kicker, and the kickers. You know, kicker's just kicking longer, right? The 60-yarder now is pretty common. It wasn't back in the day. But I know I notice a lot of punters just don't punt well. They're good punters. They can kick it far. They can kick it far, but they don't kick it accurately in the corner, and they don't direct it the way that Ray Guy was able to do. I'm, I'm pretty surprised by that. I am. I'm surprised that more – it's very difficult to do because you can shank it you, you could kick it shorter because it goes out of bounds at the 18 instead of the 2, and you hurt your team that way instead of getting it to the 10 or 15. But it just doesn't happen the way that it happened when Ray Guy played, man. I get the stats here in front of me, and what he was able to do, we have a portion of his Hall of Fame speech that we're going to play coming up here, and we got a pretty busy show. So the Raiders are on top of this. One of their all-time great players have passed away. Uh, next time you go to Allegiant Stadium, you could go and see – Ray Guy's number, and you can go see it there in the second concourse by the torch as we as we roll up there. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do after. When I go to the next game after the pregame, I'm going to have my Modello that my friend Carla gets me. I'm going to go over to that Ray Guy sign up there, that Hall of Fame plaque that's on the second deck there in the concourse, and have a beverage to him. Ray Guy, rest in peace as we open up the show, brought to you by P.T.'s, the best happy hour in town. We're excited about what we have coming up with them. Also a remote in the works, and you can go there to watch the hockey because this hockey team is really good, and they're a proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. It's our Ray Guy tribute show. We'd like you to be involved with it on Twitter, at JTTheBrick, at Raiders on Twitter, or 702-365-9200.
5: I'm going to tell you what, uh, when I got drafted in 73, I when I got to training camp, I wasn't afraid of what my, my requirements were. I knew what I could do. I think the hardest thing that played on me within myself was, what are these guys going, how are they going to take me to come in as a number one draft as a punter? How are they going to accept me? Well, it's way to figure that one out real quick. It's like we had been together for life. Because every background and every character was very similar to each other. So we didn't have a problem with that. And we're still brothers. Remember that old phrase? Once a Raider, always a Raider.
0: Wow, that's pretty heavy. Good job, Bobby. That's Ray Guy. I never heard that sound bite coming in as a rookie first rounder. And they're brothers. They treat them like that right out of the gate. Welcome back, JT, Raider Nation Radio. This is our Ray Guy tribute show. He passed away earlier, and uh, we got the news of it. The Raiders put out the press release, and we're taking your calls as we open it up, 702-365-9200. Brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence, the excellence of Ray Guy and the impact that he had on the silver and black. Raider Dave in Denver. Good to hear from you again. Hey, thank
1: you for doing this, man. I appreciate being on and the opportunity to do so. You know, at 12 years old in 1976, the Super Bowl season at Jack Murphy Stadium, that was the first time I ever saw them, and they were practicing pregame across the stadium, and nobody could see my eyes get as big as they did when across the stadium through binoculars, you see them punt, and then you just see... The grandstands disappear, and then it's all sky. And then finally, the grandstands come back in division. You know, it was the hang time that really did it for this guy. You know, I work sidelines and stuff. I talked to uh, Shane Leckler one time. I said, You know why he's not, Ryan Ray's not in the Hall of Fame yet? He goes, No, why? I said, Because they're waiting for you to retire. You know, Shane had 47 and a half yard average to. Um, to uh, guys 42. I mean, the Raiders' punters have just been amazing. And I think the funniest story, and it's probably been written, a lot of people maybe heard it, but Bum Phillips had Billy White, use Johnson, go ahead and catch a ball and return it because he wanted to analyze for helium. That'll just tell you what kind of respect and hang time this guy had that was just unmatched. Thanks again.
0: Thanks, Raider Dave. Good story there about you know seeing it, see the ball disappear, go into the sky, and then come back down again. Man, just incredible to see and to know and to hear the Raider fans who are at games to see Ray Guy. I got another good text to read you in a little bit. Shane Leckler just got back to me, but I'm going to keep that private because he's pretty emotional about it, and he's out in Texas there. It's an emotional day. A lot of Raider fans loved Ray Guy and still do today on the day of his passing. Bill Williamson, Raider insider, joins us. Usually on Wednesdays, he's kind enough to join us on Thursday this week. And Bill, uh, a sad day in the Raider Nation. You've been covering this team as long as anybody I know, and you know the impact that Ray Guy not only had on the Raiders, but the NFL.
6: Yeah, you know, and I I first started following the Raiders as a a little kid in the Bay Area, and uh, he was a mystical figure. He really was. I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot today, and but always when I'd hear named the name a guy, i always just kind of jar me because he was different. And, you know, he was, you, you know, I'm sure I'll show you talking about why he was different, but, you know, the the first punter in the Hall of Fame, the first punter, first-round pick. But in, he just wasn't a punter, you know. He was he was different. He changed the he changed the game. And, and every and, and and continue to this day, is really judged against him and what he did. And he was just... He was a great athlete, and I think he was just a perfect part of that mystique that was the, the '70s Oakland Raiders. Who I think, and again, I will this first team I followed as a kid, so I may be biased, but what I, really, I think I really am is is lucky and honored to have watched those guys because they were just, a, I think, the most unique, fascinating collection. Of football players, and I think there should be movies made about him. I really do. I think that I, th- those guys were that special, yeah. and he was a big part of that. And you know, I remember my dad, who wasn't even a Raider fan, he was a New York Giant fan. And he told me, you know, as a kid, that guy's different. He just they just don't make him like that guy at that position. And what great guy was, he was must watch TV, you, you paid attention to the punter. Because he, it he, he was just different. He's just the boomer, and, and he just changed the game. And I think he was just the perfect um, Oakland Raider, and he just kind of was the, the bow to that mm-hmm. to that group. And you know, you, you think about, you know, the, the Raiders to me back then were kind of like the Rolling Stones, you know. And you had Mick Jagger, you have Keith uh, Richards, but you also had. Tony Watts and Ronnie Wood, and they wouldn't be the Rolling Stones without those guys, and the Raiders wouldn't be. The Raiders about Ray Guy.
0: Nicely said, Bill Williamson's our guest. You know, Bill, I think it's really important because you remember and you know it. He helped win games. You know, a lot of punters yeah. don't help. A lot of punters don't help win games. They help save games or they help you out once or twice a game. I think that's what some of our younger listeners need to understand about the life of Ray Guy. Is he won a lot of games by pinning the other team back with inside the five? So Hall of Famers on defense like Ted Hendricks and you know the. Great who played that position, and players like Atkinson and Tatum were able, and Villapiano to make plays. Otis Sistrunk, because Howie Long, because he, Ray Guy put him in a position where they could shine because they made great plays inside the opponent's twenty.
6: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that—that's that, the whole
0: spirit of what I was
6: saying. Is, is, and thanks for bringing that out. Is that he was part of the winning? Yeah. That's why he was different. He was—he was a weapon. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, so deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. And he's really so deserving for every punter to be judged against him, you know.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Let's uh, appreciate you saying everything about Ray, because, again, I respect your knowledge of this organization as much as anyone. Let's get to the team. I interviewed the coach today. We'll play it tomorrow. And, Everything he says is right. I think he is great at preparing a team, even though they're not executing, because he comes from the Belichick tree. And we've seen other coaches from the Belichick tree not win games as head coaches. What I think he's different is he's an offensive mind. And I think he puts everything together, Bill, correctly. Practice, preparation, film study, and all that. Now the players gotta execute what they wanna do there. I don't know if it's too complicated. You and I talked about it. I thought Gruden was really complicated. Gruden's playbook is the thickest, maybe, in NFL history, and this one's probably complicated, but why is it taking the Raider offensive players so long, especially the special players like Devontae, Renthro, and if they get Waller back to execute these game plans?
6: Yeah, I don't know. It's a heck of a question. And yeah, I mean, Josh McDaniels is a NFL coach. Yeah, he he, he belongs, but maybe I don't know if he's a great NFL head coach, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of people, you know, commentators, former players wondering that in the, in the last week. And, and, you know, I saw one player, say, former player say, Hey, you know, Sirianni in with the Eagles is he's making his player. He's building his offense around his players. Mm -hmm. McDaniels is making his players go around his system and it's one's working and one's not. Hey, you can you can have all the opinions you want. Who knows? We're, we're going to find out soon enough if it's going to end up working or not, but right now, I I'd ha- I'd have to say it's not working, and there's time for him to become a successful head coach for the Raiders, um, but it has to happen, and yeah, they're preparing, sure, we just have to see it, and I think there's been some in-game decisions that have been kind of odd, mm-hmm. um, but You know, Devontae Adams is having a good year. He's not having a great year. Uh, Derek Carr is not having as good years as he was having last year. You know, Waller and and Renfro, they've been hurt, but their numbers are down. You know, the offensive line is what it is. At at some point, it's either going to work or not, and right now it's not working. But, again, there's still 10 games left. But, you know, all we know is what we last saw, and what we last saw wasn't great.
0: Bill Williamson, check out all of his featured columns. Sp Nation, you can see the column that he has up. Raiders Jaguars trying to find a pass rush. You know, as much as we're trying to figure out what's going on on the offense, that might be the most shocking thing to me is Max's numbers are not technically where they should be, even though he's playing at such a high level because he's getting double teamed. And Chandler Jones is supposed to take some of the heat off of Max. You know, it'd be nice Chandler Jones was on the verge of a Hall of Fame career. It'd be nice if Max would take the heat off of Chandler because Chandler's playing at such an alarming great rate. That isn't the case. As you analyze the film and you've been doing your work here, putting your research together, what's the problem with Chandler Jones? Is this going to come in another game or two where his legs are going to activate and he's going to be ready to go? Or is this a guy clearly on the back end of his career?
6: Well, I mean, he's thirty-two, so that's possible. Um, you know, he had ten and a half sacks last year, right? Mm-hmm. And um, five of them came in the first game, which is tremendous. You know, unbelievable effort. But if you take that one game out and you look at the the last, I think he played fourteen. He total played a total of fifteen last year. So you take his last fourteen last year, take the seven now. That's six sacks in, in seven in twenty-one games. That's pedestrian, you know. Yeah. And they have a lot of money tied into him. And I know Ziegler talked yesterday. And he, You know, he's his guy. They brought him in. They chose him over in the Gothway. So he's going to defend him. Um, you know, he says the double teams. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. You know, the great ones figure that out. Um, Max has been quiet the last two days. I, I, I wouldn't have, excuse me, the last two games, of course. I wouldn't be worried about him because you're always going to get top effort from that guy, and he's always going to try, and he's done he's, he's going to succeed and the sacks are going to come. You know, he still had six in seven games. That's tremendous. Um, but, you know, what we talked about before is that he's playing, you know, in the 90 percentile snaps every week, and in, two, in 2020, he did that, and he, his production dipped at the end. And last year Gus Bradley did a really good job of, of keeping him on the field in the seventy to eighty percent time and and he really flourished all season long. So that's something to watch. But with nobody else doing anything, you can't you can't take Max off the field, so I know that they have kind of a, a dilemma there. Um, but you know, this is a team that they have two highly paid, highly decorated pass rushers and they are last in the NFL in sacks and fifth the bottom in pressures. That's just not good enough. It's one of
0: the top problems of this team. Bill Williamson, as we wrap it up, te- check him out, silverandblackpride.com. Uh, you did a deep dive on Patrick Graham's unit. I know you uh, repurposed Josh DeVoe's tweet. Uh, Raiders defensive rankings, as you said, takeaways per game, 32nd in the league. Sacks per game, dead last 32nd in the league. Red zone TDs allowed, 31st in the league. How much of the blame goes on Patrick Graham or does Patrick Graham do- not deserve all the heat because he doesn't have the players that he needs and those players are coming next year for a better scheme? Well, they,
6: I mean, they brought in a lot of guys. They brought in a lot of their own guys. They, they brought in Chandler Jones. That was hand-picked, as we said. You know, they have Max. They have, you know, they had more. I, I think going into this season, they're better off than, than they were the last few years. And I and it's just not working quite yet. I, I, I go back to... Gus Bradley, and this doesn't really matter, but that defense was pretty limited last year, and mm. as far as didn't have a ton of talent right they, they had some guys he did, He got a lot out of that unit, it wasn't great, but they got a lot out of it and they, and it seemed to fight and it, and it seemed to get a l- little bit more timely and a little bit more there were some games that the defense won for them last year, and I haven't seen that happen yet, and you know, mm. Gus Bradley wasn't going to stay. Wednesday made a change, but I think the unit misses
0: him a little bit. Yeah, I think that could be fair, but you know this unit's got to get going here against the it's Jaguars. Going, yeah. I just saw the injury report came out. The Raiders are looking pretty good now. There's a lot of guys limited, and there were a couple people full, including uh, Devontae, Derek Carr. Uh, Darren Waller was out on the field but limited there, and the Jags have a pretty clean injury report. Bill, thanks for the time considering the breaking news on Ray Guy. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right, JT.
6: Thanks, man. You, you got yet. it.
0: Bill Williamson, silverandblackpride.com, Raider Insider. Yeah, the way he described it, he's a really nice storyteller, Bill, is he writes well too, and the Ray Guy story is big today. Breaking news. Again, the Raiders injury report came out. It looks pretty good. They have who's limited here. Divine Diablo with his back and wrist. Uh, Also, let me get this. Neil Farrell, knee limited. Matt Collins, his heel, limited. Darren Waller, hamstring, limited. Uh, Webb Simpson and Trent Sieg, all full participants, along with Devontae and Derek. And Jacksonville only has one player, one player on the entire injury report, and he's limited, and that's Jamal Agnew the wide receiver. So they're coming in healthy and ready to go. So that's where we're at. Lee Sterling's going to join us coming up here in a little bit. We're going to He gave us the game of the year last week, 50-unit game, and he nailed it. Patriots over the Jets, live on this show, big deal. And if you played that like a couple of our listeners did, they thanked me. Well, you can thank me by either taking me out to dinner at one steakhouse at Virgin where my buddy J.O.D. is. Or you can call in and thank Lee for giving you his – 50-unit play of the year. I wouldn't have touched it. I didn't think Mac Jones and the Patriots, and that was his game of the year, and he threw it down, so we'll congratulate him coming up next. This is our Ray Guy tribute show. If you have a call on Ray Guy, a story, please give it to us and let us know about it. Let us know how he had an impact on your life. The fighting spirit of Ray Guy and our friends at Modelo. Got a Modelo remote coming back to Cafe Americano right before the Colts game. Hope to see a good crowd out there. As always, brought to you by our proud partner, Modelo.
5: Just having to, being having the honor of playing football is something I love to do. Or you know, and to me and. I got the opportunity. I never really pictured how far I wanted to go, or should I say that was not a dream of mine. All I did, I lived by the moment, by the day, by the game, by the year, because I love football, I love playing, I love competing. In any capacity that I could contribute to the game, I loved it. So... I can't pinpoint one thing that that was the most exciting.
0: The great Ray Guy, JT, back with you as we continue. What a career. What a legendary career that he had with the Raiders, the NFL, college football, baseball, all of that. Uh, very proud to have known him, didn't know him well, but the night that Snake got into the Hall of Fame and some of the moments that I saw him on the sideline, a true gentleman, Great to know Ray Guy, and for the Raider fans who knew him better, this show's for you, our tribute show for Ray Guy, 702-365-9200. All right, I told you Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports joins us every week at this time, and Lee, first, let's get a comment for you. You're a football lifer, man. Growing up as a kid, we're kind of around the same group, age group, man. Ray Guy was special, huh?
4: So special that actually, my sophomore year, I wore the number 8, and I punted in high school and in college, so... Wow. I don't think I ever told you about that. I was a left-footed punter, a right-footed kicker uh, for extra points and field goals. But um, I used to sit there and play a game called uh, the punning game, and we used to practice literally for hours. A friend of mine, uh, he kicked at the uh, rival high school practicing coffin corners. I mean, no one kicked it higher at the time, and no one was better at coffin Uh, Corner punts and Ray Guy.
0: Yeah, I wish we saw more coffin corners. I understand that the punters can kick as long and some of them high and all that, but I'm just amazed that more punters, college and pro, don't do the coffin corner. They just try to get it in between. Yeah, tell me why. Yeah,
4: because uh, punt returners are too dumb and they keep fielding the ball and taking fair catches at the four or five yard line.
0: Mm, Right. Yeah, it just guy. Ray Guy was just brilliant. His out of bounds kicking in the corners was just fantastic. He's yeah. a
5: great
4: athlete. People forget uh, numerous fake punts, uh, numerous times I saw him saving. You know uh, what could have been a disaster, jumping up. Mm-hmm. It seemed like uh, getting up 10 and a half, <laughs> yep. 11 feet. To, You're right. To catch the ball, and then uh, also made numerous tackles. He kicked off. Yeah. Uh, people don't don't remember that fact either.
0: Absolutely, Lee Sterling. Yeah. So congratulations, your game of the year. Just tell me that quick before we get to these three yeah. free picks you giving us on why you were on the Patriots over the Jets. A lot of people thought the Jets were coming into their own. What would you say? So uh, I
4: like New England coming off of a loss. Felt that Mac Jones, even though he's not great, would be motivated. Um, wanted to keep his job, and they were going to play better. And then the Jets had lost Brees Hall, who is – at the time, was going to be the rookie of the year. I think before the injury was sensational. He had like three straight games where he had runs or catches of more than 60 yards for a touchdown. You don't see that out of rookies who are big, strong, and fast like that this early in their development and lost their best lineman and were without one of their top receivers. So, you know, I, I think the Jets were on their way. They had one of the greatest drafts of all time last year, but now with Brees' injury and, these under other injuries, I think uh, that progress could be derailed.
0: Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Here we go. Georgia, Tennessee. Georgia minus eight here. Tennessee higher in the polls. I don't think that's a motivation thing for Kirby on the polls because the loser of this is going to be out of the top four. got to win the game anyway. Yeah. But I thought Georgia was the better team coming into the season and then watching Tennessee in that passing game. Wow, the the spread. What, what, what does the numbers say to you first off before you give us a game?
4: I think they're begging you to play Tennessee. I think this line most people thought should have been six and a half, seven at the most because of the way Tennessee had played. But remember, a lot of national champions, the next year, they just breeze through the schedule. I mean, uh, they have some highs but more lows than the year before. And uh, this is still a team, believe it or not, that is ranked fourth in total defense. Yeah, the Vols have the best offense, but this is a one-game series. This isn't a best out of five or best out of seven. They've got the players, they've got the scheme and the coaches here, and as great as Tennessee is, averaging 45 points against LSU, Alabama, and Kentucky, I think they can be slowed down. The weakness for Tennessee is their defense. Believe it or not, Georgia has the number two total offense, and an offense they haven't seen. More power running than Alabama. They have three tight ends who will be playing at the next level, and then you know, it, it, if they get going and Tennessee has to play from behind, I think that they're in trouble here. So I think Tennessee's defense, which is ranked 82nd in the country here, cracks I like Georgia by two touchdowns,
0: 48-34. Lee Sterling joins us, ParamountSports.com. Georgia big there. Let's go to Minnesota minus three, Washington. Minnesota is now running away from Green Bay, but can Green Bay late in the season kind of reel them back in? I doubt it. I think Minnesota's the perfect storm this year. Cousins is playing well, but I'll go as far as the regular season. I'll have to see the postseason matchups. And then the Commanders and how they are saved their season. They're reg- Even though they're, they're in last place in that division, they're not that far away from a couple of teams in front of them there. Uh, They're saving their season recently. How do you see this game?
4: So here's what Washington does. They know who they are. They haven't scored more than 23 points in a game since week two. So what do they do? They slow it down. They're number four in time on the field. Number five in plays run. They're number 30th in yards per play. Who have they beaten recently? The Bears, the Packers, and the Colts. Kirk Cousins here playing at a high level, only two interceptions here over the last five games. And biggest difference here is the Minnesota offense. Generally, you know, they throw the ball early and often. This year they already have 10 touchdown runs here. Last year, only 10 and 17 games here, and they're not turning the ball over here. Uh, I like Minnesota here. They've made it a commitment to win this year, and the NFC is wide open. Minnesota. 30-17 over Washington.
0: Minnesota big. He's giving you games yeah. for free. Not many guys do it. That's why we have him on Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Other game you have for us is Green Bay, minus 3.5 over Detroit. A lot of people are just saying Dan Campbell, they're done. He gave it all. He gave it all in hard knocks. The coaches were all celebrities in hard knocks. All about me, 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 the team. I thought they'd be better than this. I thought this was the year Detroit would win maybe six, seven games and be on the verge of another year from now having a breakout season. Wasn't the case. And, man, does Green Bay need a win desperately. Green Bay minus three-and-a-half Detroit. How do you have it? So
4: the Lions, who are one and six, the fall guy, well, has to be someone uh, defensive backs coach here. So now uh, they'll make do with what they have. But that's their weakness. But they may not have to go against Alan Lazard again this week or even Christian Watson. And we know Randall Cobb is already out for this game. So uh, this is a team, Detroit, we know can score here. I think the psyche of the Green Bay Packers is shot. They should have traded for a wide receiver here. They just can't push the ball down the field here anymore. I like Detroit. They finally get their Mm -hmm. win when you count them out. Detroit Room team favorite,
0: 27-20 over Green Bay. Detroit outright over Green Bay. That will be the end of Green Bay. We'll remember that over the weekend as we wrap it up with Lee Sterling. Your game of the week is a big one. Clemson cannot afford to lose. They have to go undefeated to get in. Other teams in the SEC could get into the Final Four with a loss. Clemson has to run the table. They're taking on Notre Dame. Tell us how we get the game.
4: They want to get it for free. Call 800 400 9741 Give them the game on me. We've won 10 out of 12 weeks this year in the football. You want to hop on board, just one place. You can get not November, we call it November four weeks, just $297, or through the Super Bowl, just
0: $597, one place, ParamountSports.com. Take care, Lee. Good luck. Thanks. Lee Sterling coming off his 50-unit game of the year. He gave it to us last year. And uh, excited about that. So he had the Jets losing to the Patriots. And the Patriots Patriots are 4-4. Four and four. Wouldn't the Raiders like to be 4-4? Four and four? I think the Raiders are better than the Patriots. I went to the dual practice, the joint practices. You know, it was a preseason game, I get it. But the Raiders looked a lot better than the, the Patriots in my eyes there. And the record's 2-5. and five. So we have a tribute show going. We have an opportunity. So they gave us, the Raiders gave us Ray Guy's Hall of Fame speech. I think we play a portion of it. It's long I think we play about 8 to 10 minutes of it as tribute to Ray Guy, maybe more if it keeps going well. So that's what I'm going to do next, and we want to bank your phone calls and get you going too because there's a lot of people listening to this show. We see the numbers. We see the streaming outside of Vegas, and there's a lot of Ray Guy fans outside of Vegas. So let us know what Ray Guy and the impact he had on you. 702-365-9200, our Ray Guy tribute show. On top of that, the World Series last night, a no-hitter. My next-door neighbor is an Astros fan. He listens to the show, Adam. He invited me over last night, my wife and I, for some pizza and some wine. And we sat in his house. We were going to sit outside, but see how cold it got? So we went in his house, and he's an Astros fan. I watched the game with an Astros fan as the Astros pitched a no-hitter. Here's the final call. This is historic Astros win Game 4 of the World Series. Rio Muto.
2: Bouncing ball to third.
4: The second one in World Series history. Don Larson in 1956. Joined by Christian Javier, Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero,
1: and Ryan Presley. A five 0 win in game four in no hit fashion to tie this series at two games apiece.
0: Fox Sports on the call. I don't like a combined no hitter, but it's a big deal. It is a no hitter. How does Philadelphia go from breaking a record? Five home runs in the first five innings. Never been done before. Then the next night they can't get a hit. I don't like the fact that Dusty Baker took Javier out after 93 pitches. I would have let him start the seventh. But they picked up Dusty. Dusty was in a bad spot if he lost that game. Dusty got his team to pitch a no-hitter and win the game. Big turnaround for the Strohs.